hear what the Spirit is saying to the church from the Gospel of Matthew. Now the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Jesus awoke from sleep, or when Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God of light and dark, we live in this rhythm of light and dark, of seasons, sunrises and moonrises. Help us this season, as we pay attention to the dark, to enter it meaningfully, thoughtfully, intentionally. Help us to be present to you and ourselves as we live out this natural rhythm, as we experience light and dark. Use the words of a broken man like me for your glory today, God. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to give you a story from my life of a moment uh, of light coming into darkness. So when I was maybe eight or nine years old. It was sometime around the holidays. Extended family was visiting. We were playing cards. That's what my family did as we'd sit around the dining room table and play cards. This was after dinner, so it was dark outside. We're all sitting around, and all of a sudden, lights out. Pitch black. There were no windows in the room where we were. So it was like really, really dark. Take a moment. You guys have all been in a situation like this where there's all of a sudden darkness. What happens? You either, if you're able, you flip on a light, right? Or if you're able, uh, you anticipate when the light is going to come. You turn on your phone, you got the flashlight going. This was long before cell phones were a regular thing. So we didn't have any of that. We just waited. We talked and joked, and we felt what it was like to just sit in the dark. And me being, you know, a young kid, I, I felt a little scared, it was like an extended version of the hallway when I'd go from my room to the living room. It was like this dark that I would try to get through as fast as I could. But here we were just sitting in it. And my pulse picked up a little bit. And all of a sudden, I was really aware of like, what, do I, what am I, what's here? Like, who's sitting where? Is, did somebody move or leave? Like, what's actually happening around me? I felt, you know, kind of tingly of like, okay. This little kidness of like excited, exhilarated, but kind of scared at the same time. And then after a couple minutes, my dad came in and lit a match and lit the candles. 
And there was this like relief in the room. All of a sudden, like we started talking louder and it was like, okay, we can start again. Because we were just waiting, anticipating the lights to come back on. I'll never forget this story. It's a really simple story, but I felt the like draw and the anticipation and the leaning towards light coming back on in the darkness. But I also felt something in the darkness that I haven't often paid attention to. Now, I also remember this story because uh, the lights came on and we caught my grandpa red-handed like taking cards off the deck to stash. <laughs> but that's a whole other story uh, we can get into another time. What happens in the dark? What goes on in us when the lights go out? What do we do? What do we experience? Now, traditionally, uh, if you grew up in the West, you know that light is associated with things like clarity and holiness and cleanliness and safety, goodness, you know, just general, like, good is associated with light. But also, light, light can be associated with perspective. I was hiking recently, and in the daytime, you could see a really long ways, and it helped to think like, okay, we're going over there, and I have some perspective now, and I know what to expect, and I can anticipate what's coming my way. Along with that sense of perspective might come some notions of like control, because I can see where I'm going, and I might be able to navigate from here to there, or at least manipulate my environment to help me get from here to there more easily or to avoid some risks or scary moments. So we have perspective, maybe we also have control. And then also we, we might have this sense then of security because of the light. Like I can see where I'm trying to go, I can see what's around me, I can manipulate my world a little bit, feel a little bit in control, but then that helps me feel secure. These are all fine things. But what happens in the darkness? You know, typically we, we associate dark with generally like bad or scary. You know, fear is a main word when we think about darkness in relationship especially to the lack of light. You know, all those things that we just talked about, not there. What happens in us? So we associate darkness with things like confusion, danger, maybe evil even, suffering, and certainly fear. You know, when things happen that are hard in our lives, when we're suffering or there's chaos, we say it's like a dark season. And as we're going through this season of Advent together, exploring the darkness, I just want to invite us to a different association with dark. You know, traditionally, there's this binary, like dark and light, and one is good and one is bad, and one comes into the other and extinguishes it. And like, there, there's nothing wrong with that metaphor, but it is it is simple in some ways. And I just want to invite us to a little bit more complex relationship with light and darkness. And maybe, especially for today, as we listen, as we engage with this idea of darkness, maybe not jump to the idea of bad when we think of dark. Because I think there are, there are maybe some gifts in the darkness that we might receive if we're open to them. So maybe a different engagement with darkness, receiving some gifts. Another story. Growing up, I, I lived in Montana when I was younger, and in high school, some friends of mine, we decided we want to climb the tallest peak in Glacier National Park. Uh, it was pretty remote, so we drove to Canada, and we took a boat back into the United States about seven miles along this lake, and then we camped, and then we hiked the next morning and set up another camp, and then we decided, okay, now we go up. 
And this, this mountain, there's, like, there's, there's no trail. So the way you get up, you have this guidebook that you know, was written in like 1965. And it says, literally says, take the trail back towards you know, the previous campsite until an elk trail crosses uh, the trail. And then you follow that until you hit this alder-covered creek bed. And then you follow that until you break tree line. And then you'll be right below the ridge. You make the ridge, and it's like a football field. You just walk up it. And, you know, our 17-year-old selves were like, totally cool. We got this. And, um, you know, like 12 hours later, when we're in a scree field, and the ridge we're supposed to be on is somewhere over there, and we're two steps forward, one step back, we're three-quarters of the way up this mountain, and we realize there's no way this is happening. Like, we can't recover from this. We're in the wrong spot. We're almost out of water. And the sun is really low. And so we decided, the one moment of wisdom that we had, we decided to pull the plug. Because we, we knew we didn't want to go down the way we came up. And it was going to get dark really soon. So we tried to filter some water. We start heading down. We're very slow because we're very dehydrated. And we're a little confused. We get down to tree line, and we have to decide, like, how are we going to get back to our camp? It's, it's, we're 20 miles from a building. So we're in the middle of nowhere, and we're just looking, and it's like forest. There was a grizzly bear sighting the day before. We're not feeling particularly safe. The light is almost gone. And so we pull out the map, and we say, I'm not even sure if we had a map, actually. Maybe we had a map. We pull out the map, and we see there's a creek that we know we crossed when we left our campground to make the climb. So we know that the creek intersects with the trail that goes to our tent. So we say, the one thing we know is that if we follow this creek, we will hit our trail. And so we did. That was the plan. We were going to walk down to the creek and bushwhack through the forest back to our trail. And uh, it's dark before we get to the creek, you know, but we were prepared. We had some headlamps. Mine lasted about 20 minutes, and then it went out. So there's three of us, and we're walking in the dark. I don't have a headlamp, so I'm positioned in the middle. Uh, I am very aware of everything around me, every sound, because really there was a grizzly bear sighting. People do get eaten by grizzly bears. We know that. We feel that. It's dark. We're in the middle of nowhere. So, you know, a leaf like touches my ear and I'm jumping back and like, what was that? Kind of settling into this overload of sensations in the dark. And then because I didn't have a light and because we're not on a trail, we're just walking through the forest, we start into this rhythm, this cadence of whoever's in the front with the light will come across a log or a stick or a branch and they'll just holler out, rock, branch, hole. And you got to stay in cadence because I knew when that would get to me in the dark. And so I would step higher or you know, feel around for the branch. And we stayed in this rhythm for hours. But I had this immediate sense of like, I got to be like, I'm here because I took a branch in the face a couple times. And I didn't like that. So I got to pay attention and I got to stay in the rhythm. I got I to focus. So then, uh, you know, we're walking along this creek and we have no idea how long it's going to take. We don't know if there's cliffs. I mean, we, we're just, this is our shot. So we go along the creek and we kind of lose the idea of like maybe we're going to get there soon because every time we think, I think we're getting closer, there's like some obstacle. We cross the creek two or three times, you know, on a, on a tree that's been stripped of its bark and it's just like wet, slippery wood. And it, yeah, it was exciting. <laughs> we, were, we were there, but we had to just give up the idea that we could anticipate like what was going to happen. 
We kept walking. We kept walking. At first, we talked a lot, and then towards the end, we got really, really quiet. We were tired, but we were still really scared because it kind of got to the point of like, maybe, maybe we were wrong. Maybe this creek didn't cross the path. Maybe we're just hiking into the middle of nowhere and nobody's coming looking for us. Then that's when the bear came back in our minds and it's like, maybe this bear is like following us or maybe, you know, maybe we're going to fall into the creek and just die. We were scared. You know, my 17-year-old bravado wore off after like five hours of walking in the dark. And it was very real. Like, I'm not sure we're going to be okay. Now, we made it out, of course, and it was an adventure and a fun story to tell and all those things. But I think that there are some gifts in there that I just want to point out that I think the darkness offers. I think the darkness offers us the opportunity to really be present to our bodies, to what's going on around us, to notice what are we feeling literally on our skin or inside of us? What emotions are we having? What's going on? And, and to really show up right here inside of myself. Kind of similarly, I think the darkness offers the gift of immediate attention. Kind of right here, right now. Where all the distractions, everything that's going on in the world, it's good stuff. There's nothing bad up about it, but but the darkness brings our focus one foot. Because what's a mile away doesn't really matter. One foot, right here. If I didn't listen to the cadence, I would trip on the rock. My focus was right here. I think the darkness also offers the opportunity to surrender an illusion of control and embrace some mystery. We really didn't know how long it was going to take us to get to the trail, and we eventually didn't know if we would get to the trail. And there was nothing that we could really do about the path from here to there. It was just, we either walk it or we didn't. There's an invitation to surrender to what we don't know, what we can't perceive. Similarly, there, there's an invitation, I think, to be acquainted with our fears. Real, real fears. Not just like a fun, like, oh yeah, this is kind of scary, but like, we might die. We might be in the news getting lost in the woods, three teenagers, the helicopters come looking. Maybe they do find us, maybe they don't find us. That was a real fear. We get to be acquainted with what we're actually afraid of. But we also get to be acquainted with our dependence on the things that we can control as, this, as our sense of security. To find out, like, what is it that I rely on to feel safe in the world? Because if it was light out, I, I would have felt much more safe. Because I could see where we we're going and kind of anticipate some things. Didn't have that. So there's this invitation to be acquainted with our fears and to recognize what we depend on to feel safe. So I just want to submit that the darkness of our lives, these seasons that we say are, are maybe dark or chaotic or confusing, Invite us to be drawn in, to have our attention focused right now. That maybe we would befriend the mystery, surrender to it in some ways, become acquainted with our fears 
and have our true sources of security revealed to us. I think these, these places of darkness, these seasons of darkness, actually offer us these, these little gifts. They can be our teacher. And in that place, we, we can become wise with this wisdom that is only available by going through the dark. As long as we don't scramble, maybe to strike the first match we can find to extinguish that darkness. There are gifts, and we can sit and wait for them. Now, I know some of you are thinking like, okay, darkness and light, we've been talking about this a little while. We read a story from the Bible, like, are we going to talk about that? Here's the thing. I think that when we enter this story, this little piece of Jesus' story at the beginning here, I think we get an example of what can happen in the dark. I think when we walk into the story, we're actually walking into some rubble in Joseph's life. Now, just think about this on a human level. Joseph is a young man. He's about to be married. We don't know if he's like high school sweethearts with Mary or if they've never met before. But whatever the case, we're people. We know what it's like to be on the edge of some big change, be on the threshold of something different. We have an expectations, we have hopes, we have imaginations for our life. We've all experienced when that just blows up. It's gone. Disintegrates in front of us. Joseph is in the middle of that right now. So we enter the story and Joseph's life is just kind of in chaos. He's not sure what to do. Now certainly, certainly Mary's life is also in chaos in another telling of the story. But right here we have Joseph. Things are confusing. You might say he has entered into some darkness because his fiancée has presumably been unfaithful at the 11th hour, like right before they're going to get married. So you can imagine that, that his focus is like, what's going on right now? What do I do today? What am I experiencing here and now? The mystery and the uncertainty of the darkness are certainly knocking at the door of his soul. Perhaps some deep fears are being unearthed in him. So he makes a plan to escape the darkness, to turn the lights on, right, to walk away. He's going to do it as kindly as he can. So he makes his plan, and then I'm sure after some time tossing back and forth on the pillow, he falls asleep. And an angel visits him, interrupts him, and says, don't be afraid. That thing that we associate with the darkness so often is fear. The angel comes and says, don't, don't be afraid here. Don't be afraid right now. Don't be afraid of following through with your engagement to Mary. Don't be afraid to attend this darkness. Don't leave yet. Don't turn on the light yet. And then the angel tells him that he's, this boy that they're going to have, it's a boy, surprise. He's going to name him Jesus. And that might send Joseph's mind, you know, racing back into all of these prophecies because he's, he's heard about this story before. He might get all the way back to Isaiah chapter 7 where this child is also called Emmanuel, God with us. And maybe... Maybe in the dark, 
of night and in the dark of Joseph's experience, maybe in the confusion and the fear and the uncertainty and his focus and presence, the mystery, maybe he's thinking that he's witnessing Emmanuel truth right there and then. That maybe the, the prophecy that this child's going to come and be called Emmanuel, God with us, is not just for all these other people for later, but is also true right now for him, right here. Maybe smack dab in the middle of this mystery, of this darkness in his life, Joseph is being told, God is with you. Maybe he knew it enough to wake up in the morning and stay in that uncertainty, in that mystery, that uncontrolled situation, and follow through, do what the angel told him to do. Now, the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. Joseph seeing the plans, the perspective, the certainty, the control of his life crumble to pieces, an angel breaking in and reassuring him that God is here with him in this darkness. There is quite literally life growing in the darkness. And that life will change the entire world. See, wrapped up in Jesus' story is the story of Joseph, this little story. And maybe a version of your story and my story, too. This image of what is on offer when the lights go out in our life. Now, I'm not saying that we should go looking for confusion and chaos and you know, uncontrolled anything. It will come to you. You don't have to go looking for it. If you're a person, just wait a couple minutes. Darkness will arrive to you. I'm also not saying that we shouldn't want it to stop. There's real suffering that happens in the darkness. There's real evil that happens in the darkness. But there are also, there are also some gifts, some opportunities. Because God just might use the immediacy of our attention, that focused, like tight presence. God just might use the reality that we can't see past right here and right now as an invitation to our own lives to show up to reckon with everything that goes on in us. To be present as our whole selves here and now. God just might use this darkness to weaken our resistance to mystery and uncertainty and loss of perspective and invite us again deeper into the story, this story that we can't see the end of, that we don't understand, that we can't control. We might be invited more fully to show up there. Because darkness comes to all of us. And if we can allow ourselves space beyond the important questions, the why me, why this, why, na why now, if we can allow ourselves space beyond those questions, we might join Joseph in witnessing Emmanuel, God with us, even in our darkness. And here's the thing, we, we shouldn't really be surprised that God would show up in the dark, would be present there, because darkness has always played a part of the story. Abraham, Moses, King Solomon, they either experienced God or wrote about God as dwelling in deep darkness. 
So early on, uh, the, the people of God, they were traveling around, they were nomadic people, but they had, they had a tent that they would set up as like the tabernacle, this place where they would worship God, where they would say, God's presence is here. So we're going to congregate here to worship. And the Holy of Holies, this place where the, the Ark of the Covenant, like the, the, what they understood as the actual presence of God, was in that tent behind layer after layer after layer of curtains. There's all kinds, all kinds of you know, tradition and protocol about how you move towards it. But that, that presence, God's presence in the tabernacle, it was pitch black in that room. There was no light there. So quite literally, the presence of God for the early people of God dwelled in deep darkness. God has always been in the dark. God has always been meeting folks in the darkness of their lives, being with them, transforming them in the midst of it all, not promising to remove the darkness or the suffering or the chaos or the confusion, but transforming us all the same. Just before this, this story that we read is this really exciting part of the Bible where there's just a whole bunch of names it is the, the line of Jesus. Like, where did Jesus come from? Who, who did Jesus come from? If you do a little bit of digging into some of those names, you will see that God enters people's lives in the darkness, is with them in the darkness. There's all kinds of stories there of lives forged in the darkness with God. You might even look around this room and see a healthy dose of people whose lives have been forged in the darkness with God. Of folks who are wise with that wisdom that only comes from experiencing darkness. So Joseph's darkness meets up with Mary's darkness, and the life that grows in that darkness is, of course, Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us. The one who we anticipate right now in this Advent season, these weeks that lead up to Christmas where we celebrate Jesus' birth. And Jesus lived this same story. Experiencing the deepest darkness of betrayal and death on what Christians celebrate as Good Friday, but brings it full circle and rises with new life in what we celebrate as Easter Sunday in and through darkness, has always been God's way. So friends, as we enter this Advent season, as the lights go out in our lives, as they surely will, as the confusion and the mystery and the uncertainty and the suffering come knocking on our doors, as the darkness descends, attend it. Listen to it. Befriend it if you can. And remember the words of the angel. Do not be afraid. Because you, with Joseph, with Mary, with thousands upon thousands upon thousands throughout history, will call him Emmanuel. For surely God who dwells in the darkness is with you, birthing life 
in that darkness. Let's pray.